Well, how, how many of you have ever had a mountaintop experience? Two people, great. This is going to go awesome. How many of you have had before a mountaintop experience of some kind? Okay. Like a time when you felt lighter than air, like that the moment was just saturated with meaning and glory and the divine, when it left you with a kind of spiritual high and this deep sense of connection with yourself, with God, with other people, with the world around you. Like you wanted to capture and freeze and preserve that moment forever. You didn't want to come down and go back to the real world, the valley, the, the ordinary and the mundane. I know for me, Appala Appalachia Service Project was that, um, was like that. I went year after year as a high schooler and in college, and each and every year it did not disappoint. I always felt like it was a mountaintop experience for me. And so every time it would be hard and it would be awkward to, to come back down, as it were, to the real world, to get back into the day-to-day -day grind of, of high school or, or, or college. So if you've ever had a mountaintop experience, then, then you also know then what it is like and that feeling of having to, to come down off of that spiritual existential high and get back to the real world mundane and the ordinary and the routine of real life surely can't be as saturated with glory and meaning as a mountaintop. So we believe and tell ourselves. What if that's not true? What if that's not true? What if mountaintop experiences are not just about what happens on the top of a mountain, but about how they train us to see and experience the divine and the glory in our everyday lives and everyday moments when we come down? What if mountaintop moments are not just about what happens on the top of the mountain, but how they train us to see the glory and the divine in our everyday lives and everyday moments when we come down? Let us pray. God, open our hearts and minds to your word for us this day. We pray that it would take root there, grow us, transform us, that we might bear fruit. Uh, for you and your kingdom. We pray in Christ's holy name. Amen. Our scripture lesson this morning comes from the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 17, beginning in the first verse. In the, in the Christian year, this is Transfiguration Sunday, and so we hear the story of Jesus of transfiguration or transformation today. I invite you to listen for God's word. Six days later, Jesus took Peter, James, and John, his brother, and brought them to the top of a very high mountain. He was transformed in front of them. His face shone like the sun and his clothes became as white as light. Moses and Elijah appeared to them talking with Jesus. Peter reacted to all of this by saying to Jesus, Lord, it is good that we're here. If you want, I'll make three shrines, one for you, one for Moses, one for Elijah. And while he was still speaking, look, a bright cloud overshadowed them. A voice from the cloud said, this is my son whom I dearly love. I'm very pleased with him. Listen to him. Hearing this, the disciples fell on their faces, filled with awe. But Jesus came and touched them. Get up, he said. Don't be afraid. When they looked up, they saw no one except Jesus. As they were coming down the mountain, Jesus commanded them, don't tell anybody about the vision until the human one is raised from the dead. This is the word of God for us, the people of God. Thanks be to God. 
Well, this surely was and qualified as a mountaintop experience for Peter and James and John. And sure, they had been with Jesus. They had journeyed and traveled with him, seen all kinds of things. They had seen Jesus, but not like this before. Six days earlier, Jesus had just told them quite bluntly that whoever wants to follow me must take up their cross and follow. Had told them in rather stark terms, whoever wants to... Whoever seeks to save, save his or her life will lose it. Whoever, wants to, uh, whoever loses his or her life for my sake will, will gain it. And then six days later, Jesus takes this inner circle of his disciples up on top of this high, high mountain. Now, mountains were the places where God was notorious for showing up in all God's glory. God notoriously showed up on mountaintops in God's glory. God appeared to Moses on the side of a mountain in the form of a burn, burning bush. God appeared to Moses again on the top of a mountain in, in, a, in a brilliant cloud to give the Ten Commandments. God appeared to Elijah on the top of a mountain, the prophet Elijah, not in the wind, not in the fire, not in the earthquake, but in a still, small whisper. And Jesus is taking his disciples to the top. Of a mountain, but they could not have anticipated this. They could not have anticipated Jesus' transformation, Jesus' transfiguration. I mean, Jesus is transformed like right in front of them from the inside out, sunlight pouring from his face, his clothes filled with light. And then on top of that, there with Jesus are two of the greatest heroes in Israel's history, Moses and Elijah, and they're sitting there chatting it up with Jesus. You think you've had a mountaintop experience? And so Peter, God bless Peter, impetuous, impulsive Peter always wants to do something. Peter does what we so want to do, right? When we have had a, a profound encounter with God, some kind of mountaintop experience of meaning and wonder and fullness, he, he wants to stay in this moment forever. He wants to memorialize it, to freeze it in time. Tabernacles, shrines, dwelling places were meant to house the divine. Didn't get much more divine or glorious than this. So Peter says, Lord, it's so good that we're here. Let me build three dwelling places. One for you, one for Moses, one for Elijah. We can just stay, you know, we can just stay here. And he's interrupted by an even greater, by even more glory. Because a cloud uh, overshadows them all. And a voice from the cloud speaks and says, this is my son whom I love. Listen to him. Listen to him. All the disciples fall to the ground in, in awe. You think you've had a mountaintop experience? And then it's time to come down. And then it's time to come down. The mountaintop experience is over. Jesus and the disciples come down the mountain and into the valley of everyday life. Because that's ex precisely where Jesus wants them and us. Because that's where ministry happens. You see, right, at, right after they come down from the mountain... And this transfiguration experience, they find there's transfiguration, there's transformation happening in the valley, too. A man comes to Jesus right after this. A man comes to Jesus, says that his son has been suffering from epilepsy for year after year after year. And Jesus heals him. Transformation happens here, too. Glory happens here, too. And so I can't help but wonder how Jesus' transformation and glory 
may have helped the disciples see transformation and glory in front of them more clearly. I can't help but wonder if the disciples started to think about what it meant to practice transfiguration. I can't help but but wonder if seeing Jesus in all of his glory on the mountain helped them see a glimpse of Jesus' glory and the glory of God's kingdom in the valley. Friends, God gives us mountaintop experiences too. God shows up there in a big way, and and when they happen, they're a glorious gift. They lift us up. They fill us uh, in our hearts and souls with love and hope and joy. They empower us, but not so that we might escape from the real world or the valley or the mundane ordinariness of our lives, so that we might press more deeply into it. So that just as we encounter God in a powerful and clear way on a mountain, we might also encounter God and see God at work amidst the ordinary parts of our day-to-day lives. God doesn't want us to memorialize, to stay up there forever even though we might want to. Jesus doesn't want a tabernacle. He just wants obedience. Listen to him. The voice of his father says, listen to him. Our obedience and faithfulness in the valley will hold and behold all the glory we can imagine. All the glory we can imagine. I love a scene from uh, a novel by Marilyn Robinson called Gilead. And And the novel is the fictional autobiography of a pastor named John Ames, an elderly pastor in a small secluded town in Iowa. And he knows that he's, he's dying, and so he writes uh, an account of his life for his son to be able to hear. And one of his memories that I find so, so beautiful uh, is a memory he relates to his son of kind of a moment of glory in the midst of the ordinary. And so he writes, I, I was walking, as I was walking up to the church, there was a young couple strolling a half a block in front of me. The sun had come up brilliantly after a heavy rain, and the trees were glistening and very wet. On some impulse, plain exuberance, I suppose, the fellow jumped up and and caught hold of a branch, and a storm of luminous water came pouring down on the two of them. And they laughed and took off running, the girl sweeping water off her hair and dress as if she were a little bit disgusted, but she wasn't. It was a beautiful thing to see, he says, like something divine, something from a myth. I don't know why I thought of it now, except perhaps because it is easy to believe in such moments that water was made primarily for blessing and only secondarily for growing vegetables or doing the wash. I wish I had paid more attention to it. Isn't that a great and convicting last sentence? I wish... I had paid more attention to it. How many times have we said that? About a moment in the mundane and seemingly ordinary parts of our life that we only realize after the fact was in fact actually quite glorious and holy and beautiful. It reveals something about us. In fact, one Christian thinker has called it one of the most stubborn of Christian heresies. The idea that there is any part of our lives that is truly secular, truly untouched by and disconnected from God and God's glory. 
what, what if days passed in ways that seem and feel small and insignificant are actually weighty with meaning and glory? How would we begin to see that, to not miss it? How would we train ourselves to pay more attention? What if mountaintop experiences are Jesus' way of training us to not miss the glory that's always in front of us? Our family's recent trip to Disney was definitely a mountaintop experience for me. Uh, it was amazing being in, in Magic Kingdom with uh, with my boys connected me with a God who wants me to delight in the world, to loosen up, to savor the magical moments, to enjoy life's whimsy. Then we came back to the real world. But the experience wasn't wasted. The experience wasn't wasted. Because do you know what happened this week when we had snow? I found I savored every moment with my boys that I could as we played and romped and messed around in that glorious frozen white joy. The mountaintop experience trained me to see better. Think about the practice of worship for a minute. The mountaintop experience of worship for a minute. And by worship, I mean the, the corporate gathering of God's people to praise God, to hear God's word, to celebrate the sacraments. I mean, what we're doing here this morning, what we do every week on Sunday together. But if you really think about it, like each week we, we have a mountain, a little mountaintop experience when we worship. We get to encounter God. We get to hear what God has to say to us. We get to respond to all God's goodness and grace with our songs, with our prayers, with our gifts. We get to experience God's grace in communion, in worship. Here, transformation happens, glory happens. During and after worship, I, I expect most of us experience a kind of spiritual high, a deeper sense of meaning, connection, intimacy with God, with one another. And I expect many of us, depending on what's going on in our in our day-to-day -day lives, might wish we could stay in this worship experience longer. We might, like Peter, want to freeze it, preserve it, memorialize it. We don't relish having to come down from the mountain into Monday. After all, it's easier to feel high spiritually, to feel super connected with God and, and listening to God and experiencing all of God's presence in worship. But friends, you have to come down from the mountain. You have to come down from the mountain because transformation happens in the valley too. Experiencing um, God's glory in, in concentrated form in Sunday morning worship is really just a dress rehearsal for the week. Like Jesus' transfiguration on the mountain, the mountaintop experience of worship gets, re gets us ready for life in the valley. Like Jesus' transfiguration, worship helps train us to embody transfiguration in the ordinary parts of our lives, from a typing on the keyboard in the office to folding clothes on the bed in our home. What if Sunday morning moments were supposed to train us to notice more subtle but equally glory Monday and Tuesday and Wednesday moments? What if the way we preserve, we honor, 
the experience of God in worship is by continuing to listen for it and notice and pay attention for God and God's glory in our everyday lives, too. Because here's the crazy, beautiful thing that Jesus knew. The real transformation of us happens not primarily when we're on a mountaintop with a transfigured Jesus and we want to stay there forever, but in the valley of real life where we dwell with God and our neighbors. When we gather together for worship, when we gather together in worship, it prepares us to gather well in our everyday lives and to notice the people who aren't gathered that we might invite them in. And we start to notice glorious things about relationships. And when we hear God's word read and proclaimed in worship, it prepares us to hear and to proclaim ourselves God's word during the week. We begin to notice that, wow, God's words really are never empty. And when we respond to God by singing God's praises in song and worship, it prepares us to make melody to the Lord in our hearts during the week. When we confess our sins, receive forgiveness, pass the peace of Christ in worship, it prepares us for the glory and the beauty of reconciling relationships during the week. When we take the bread and we dip it into the cup and we share the Lord's Supper together, it prepares us to see God in the ordinary things of life because we say that we experience God in ordinary bread and ordinary juice here. And it reminds us of how God is present when we break bread together and share meals in our homes with our friends. There's glory there. And suddenly we find that our lives have been formed to experience God even in the valley, the mundane, the ordinary drudgery of our lives. Friends, we're getting ready to come down from the mountain and into the valley with Jesus. Tomorrow is Monday. It surely can't be saturated with the glory and meaning and divine like we felt on the, on the mountaintop today, can it? So we tell ourselves, what if that's not true? What if mountaintop experiences are not just about what happens on top of the mountain, but how they train us to see the glory and the divine in our everyday lives when we come down? We're also entering into the season of Lent, where we journey with Jesus in the valley, all the way to the cross. We're intentional about coming face to face with our own mortality and brokenness in light of God's love for us. Lent is a season of transfiguration, of spiritual growth in the valley. Oh yes, we'll gather for worship on Sunday mornings. We'll have uh, many mountaintop experiences. But may those experiences serve prepare us to train us for the transfiguration, the transformation in our own ordinary lives in the valley of everyday life. Everyday life. Because there's surely glory there too. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit.